0: Shalom! Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians, and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. And I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program... We are excited to be connecting you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here in Israel that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromziongmail.com at and send along any questions and comments anytime about any topic, or feel free to be in touch with us at genesis123.co. And also, Please feel free to share this with people who you know who will find it of interest. I have the tremendous honor to welcome today's guest, who, as you'll see, has incredible credentials, and we're going to be discussing a crit- critical topic. Rabbi Uri Pilachowski is a native of New Jersey and moved to Israel, where he studied, earning a bachelor's of Talmudic law and rabbinic ordination. While living in Israel then, Rabbi Pilachowski taught and mentored gap year students which brought together his deep passion and commitment as a rabbi and as an educator. He has served in the capacity of community and congregational rabbi in Beverly Hills, California and in Boca Raton, Florida. And in January, excuse me, in July, 2014, Rabbi Pilachowski and his family made Aliyah and moved to Mitzpah Yericho, a community in between Jerusalem and Jericho where his wife currently serves as mayor. Both in the U.S. before coming to Israel And since, Rabbi Pilachowski has been an active advocate for Israel. As an educator and mentor to many, he's created the first teen pro-Israel political group in the U.S. that taught students to advocate in Congress for a stronger U.S.-Israel relationship. His students have gained national reputation, and that's even reached the White House. Rabbi Pilachowski continues to teach his students from Israel live online, and before the pandemic, hosting student groups where he explains the intersection of biblical Jewish history and modern Israeli history from his unique perspective, living in Judea and Samaria. He's a staunch advocate for the right of Israeli Jews to live in and for the Israeli government to govern Judea and Samaria and the obligation to treat Palestinian Arabs fairly, with dignity, and with all human rights. Rabbi Pilachowski is a respected commentator And frequent guests on a variety of TV and internet broadcasts, he approaches the complexities of life in Israel and among our Arab neighbors with nuance, intelligence, respect, and a rational, sound, biblical approach that interweaves his broad knowledge that's both authoritative and refreshing. Rabbi Pilachowski, welcome to Inspiration from Zion, and thank you so much for making the time to be with us. Thank you. That With that, my mother is going to be so
1: proud of that introduction. That was, uh, that was unbelievable. Thank you. I don't think that went on and on and on. I appreciate that
0: greatly. Well, it, 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 it comes from sincerity because for a very long time, I've been following you as many others do. And you're one of the few people uh, who I really enjoy when I see social media posts, I, I make it a point to go out of my way to see what you've got to say. It's meaningful. I appreciate that. So, so that the fact that your mother will enjoy it is good for the downloads for the podcast. And, uh, and and we're we're excited uh for that but it's it's with all sincerity so so let's jump in this week we're celebrating the anniversary of the balfour declaration which was the 1917 recognition by the government of england of the right of the jewish people to have a homeland in the land of israel and committing itself to make that reality now specifically at a time today When people challenge Israel's very right to exist as a Jewish state and their many efforts to delegitimize Israel and its sovereignty and even its very existence, we wanna take a look at some of the historic foundations for the existence of modern Israel. But as it's appropriate, before we get into the biblical history, excuse me, before we get into the historic events from 1917, I'd like to discuss with you some of the biblical foundations of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel. And for people who don't understand, all of the biblical history. And I and I say this at the risk of putting you on the spot, as we say in the Jewish tradition, to teach the entire Torah standing on one foot. What would you say would be the top two, three, five um, biblical pillars of how and why the Jewish people have a right to the land of Israel?
1: Well, it's it's an apropos question. And uh, we, this week's Torah portion, when we're recording this, the Jewish, Jewish people have a custom of, of uh, breaking the the Torah into, uh, into about fifty two different parts, maybe about fifty different parts. Um, we call them parshiot or sedrot, uh, and we uh, we read one every single week. And that that week, you are supposed to spend the week studying that week's uh, that week's portion. And this week's portion happens to be uh, what we call lech lecha when God told told Abraham to travel from what was then northern Iraq, where he was living and he was brought up and born. Um, as God said from your from your land, from the, your birthplace. Uh, and from your father's household, and travel to what was then called Canaan, would one day be the land of Israel. Uh, and this land, God said, would be yours and your descendants. Uh, then Abraham was commanded to look uh, at all aspects of the land, and all corners of the land, and said, whatever you see, that's going to be your children's land. So that takes, that's first and foremost. And Abraham's children, um, Isaac and Jacob, were also told the exact same given the same promise as were the Jewish people when they were slaves in Egypt, uh, and were told that they would one day be freed and brought back to the land of Israel, and that was done. That's exactly what happened. And God commanded the Jewish people at the end of the uh, at the end of, of uh, we call, uh, the book of Bamidbar. Uh, I'm forgetting the name in English. Give me Numbers. one second. Numbers. Thank you very much. The book of Numbers where God commands the Jewish people to both live and settle the land, to live in the land, and those are two different commandments. It's not enough for us to simply build up the land. We actually have to live there. Um, And the Jewish commentators explain that that is one of our 613 commands. Uh, So if I was going to top five, I don't know, I think there's there's way too many, but those those are the two that stick out in in my mind um, that connect the Jewish people to this land. Uh, that, is, uh, that is so special to us, and it's really our heritage. I mean, that's what it's called. It is our heritage, and it's our land, and we are indigenous to this land, we're native to this land, and that's really the uh, the biblical imperative uh, that kept us going for 2,000 years to return to this land.
0: So, I mean, that that's terrific, and, 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 and that all makes sense. Um, but what's fascinating in what you said is that we're, you, you talked about both the uh, the commandment, God commanding Abraham, uh, to 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 come to Israel and 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 to to receive the inheritance the, the the heritage, but also the obligation that we have as Jews, not to to be here to receive that. Um, can can the two can the two possibly um, exist without one another?
1: And it's interesting. So so we you know they, no, <laughs> um, and, 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 and as a matter of fact, I, I'm not one to promote the fact that all. Jews must live in the land of Israel. That's a personal choice that all Jews have to make. Uh, but there's no question that this is the home of all the Jewish people. And, uh, and there's no better place, as we all know, than being at home. So, uh, so while Jews might find temporarily, temporarily, might find shelter in other lands, um, and they're welcome there, especially in the United States of America, where I was born and raised and have great, tremendous gratitude towards that nation. Um, But in reality, this is home. This is where we look to. This is where it has always been our home. And we've never we've never abandoned that thought and that idea. Um, No matter
0: what what countries we spread out to, this has always been home. So we've got God's commandment and God's promise and the promise that he reiterated. um, I'm guessing it was shortly after you graduated high school in New Jersey that you came here and, and, and studied and got your ordination um, but but it's more, only more recent, only in the last several years that you actually made Aliyah, that you took on citizenship and 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 brought your uh, your family. Uh, one of the things that I love, as I mentioned before, in terms of following you, one of the things that you do that's so interesting in your in your regular posts is you've got hashtag living the dream, and you and you count the number of days that you've been here, and you're approaching 2,700, which is awesome, which is incredible. I've not counted the number of days, but I think that's fabulous. Can you? Take the, the, the broader picture of God promising the land and commanding us to be here to a, to a, a biblical model for yourself. And is there a, a, and is there a biblical, I, I'm going to use the word model again, but is there a person, who a, a biblical character, who you see yourself modeling or, or who, with whom you particularly connect to being here in the land?
1: Uh, that's a fascinating question. i never actually thought of it that way. And uh, The biblical imperative, and you answer your first question, 100%, applies to each of us. The Bible is not meant as a book to stand on the shelf and uh, and sit and look nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always disturbed when I see letter-bound, beautiful Bibles, because those are... <laughs> That that's not the the book is meant to be uh, you know the binding should be broken the pages should be frayed and uh, and we should all look at that book as uh, as as that's our God. that's yes. that's how we're supposed to be living so when the Bible says move to Israel and settle it so that's what we do yeah you know, people sometimes you think that settler is a dirty word and people always ask me how come I, I call myself a settler and the answer is because God told me to settle the land I'm doing it what more can I be proud of. Than uh then following God's command to settle in. Some other people might have different connotations to the word. That's their problem, not mine. Perfect. Uh God said set to settle in, that's what I do. In terms of a personal model of somebody who I who I look to, I don't really I, I don't know if that's a uh, an authentic Jewish concept that we're supposed to look at other people. And model ourselves after them i think that we're supposed to look at the bible and uh, and see the commands and see the the guidance that the bible gives that god gave us in the bible and look at that as our directions and that's how we're supposed to model each other so i feel, i really and find your first question more relevant so much than okay. the second one um so there's nobody i've actually looked at and said i want to be like that person um it's more of i want to be the best person that i can be
0: well i thought one of the things that I that I thought of in, in in preparation for this is because based on where you live and you also sometimes post some gorgeous sunrises from your perspective coming from the mountains of Jordan um, you're real close to where Joshua and the and and the people of Israel came into the land I mean re, right there and, and I think of you and how you relate that it's a it, Maybe inappropriate, but it, but in a sense, you and I were here 10 years before you, but we're, we're that new generation. It, 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 it's, and we're here and we're building it up and we have the privilege of, um, of, of receiving that inheritance. So regardless of which biblical character, um, I, I do think of you at least from that geographic, um, perspective and, and Joshua's a pretty solid, uh, biblical character, uh, to, to, to want to emulate. Um. Yes. let's shift over to to now to the modern uh, the modern history your your family uh, also after after the uh diaspora presumably when the second temple was destroyed uh was was forced out of the land at some point and i'm guessing like my family at some point ended up in in russia or eastern europe um and and all of those in fact also digressing a bit on a personal note but i'm always overwhelmed the fact that i have the privilege not just of doing what you've said receiving god's gift but 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 also living here as he commanded but also fulfilling the dreams of of, of my relatives people who really only could dream and, and and for instance my youngest son who was born here my only child born here in israel is named for um cousin and a great grandfather who were victims of the holocaust and, and, and the youngest cousin was old enough at the time to be praying for Israel, to be, to, to know that Israel was the place that we go. So for all of the history of thousands of years, we've prayed, we've dreamt, we've always had the aspiration. When we pray as Jews, we pray facing Jerusalem, whether it's from New Jersey facing East or Australia facing West, uh, Northwest. And, and it's only about 150 years ago that the modern Zionist movement actually began uh, with, with putting putting a bit of advocacy, which which uh, as I'm speaking about that is really appropriate for you because that's one of the great things that you're teaching your students, putting the advocacy behind the prayers and dreams. So if we can, let's jump back to 1917. What was happening in the Jewish world that put the wind in the sail that suddenly the British government is now recognizing the legitimacy of a Jewish, uh, a, a Jewish I'm looking at the text of the, De- of the Declaration itself, the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. Why, why did that happen in 1917?
1: I think that what, what happened was that uh, a number of Jewish uh, leaders, who weren't really leaders at the time, but they just took on a mantle, uh, recognized the fact that things were getting very bad in Europe. Um, and that the the future of the Jewish people in Europe was bleak. I don't think they ever imagined how bleak it would become. I don't think anybody could uh, could really predict of uh, six million Jews being slaughtered in uh, in gas chambers. Um, so, but but they recognized something was happening, and some, and it wasn't positive, and and the Jews needed to get out, um, and there was nowhere for them to go, um, and they realized that maybe this is the time that we we need to actually move back. Um, and one man, Chaim Weitzman, was was uh, was well positioned. Uh, he had done he had done work uh, and, and chemical research. He was a chemist for the British government and had supplied them with materials that, that he had he had developed that greatly uh, enhanced the, the British fighting capabilities against the German army and had really to the, the British credited his his discovery and his research with their victory against the Germans in World War One and therefore he was able to to use that that gratitude uh, to help his people. Um, and went to Lord Balfour and went to other uh, members of the British Parliament and lobbied them uh, really the, you know, to to create a Jewish state where the British had you know, you know, recently taken over the mandate of what was then called Palestine um, and was able to say look it 's time it 's time the Jewish people went back it 's been at that point it was nineteen hundred years, and it 's time that we uh, that we returned as a people so I think that it was a, it was a combination of factors obviously god 's hand and providence was behind it all. Uh, but I think that it was uh, it was a number. I don't think you could pinpoint any one factor. I think it was just a number of factors coming together. Uh, the 500 years previous was the Muslim Ottoman Empire was in charge, so that wasn't. There was no chance the Jews were going to be able to take uh, the uh, their land back uh, or be given to it by uh, by a caliphate. So this was really a chance where where a democracy was in charge and people that thought about freedom uh, and and you know a country great enough to produce a Winston Churchill. So that was, that was a country that was poised to be
0: able to see the Jewish rights to the land and bring them back. Excellent. Um, do you think there was anything particularly at the time in Britain that made, other than Chaim Weitzman, who, who ultimately became Israel's first president, um, was there anything that made the British particularly receptive to the idea beyond his personality and the gratitude?
1: Honestly, I'm not sure. I don't know if the average British person um, you know, recognized what was happening when it was when it was happening. I think that people were shell shocked from the war. Um, there were a lot of uh, parliamentarians um, in the British House of Commons that were against this idea of, of bringing the Jewish people back. Um, so it wasn't something that the entire British you know, people and, and uh, elected officials. You know, a lot of people thought that Lord Balfour sort of slipped it in his declaration, that it wasn't really something that was done with consensus of the British government. So I don't think that you could, I, I don't, I, I have gratitude to the British for releasing the Balfour Declaration, but their actions after releasing the Balfour Declaration really uh, told and and uh, really revealed what was truly in their hearts. And it was not a love of the Jewish people, and it was not a love of the Jewish people being in Israel.
0: 100%. Um, for a much bigger conversation, and, and as a tangent, um it's important to note that prior to 1917 the uh the i believe it was the british who floated the idea of giving the jewish people an independent uh, state in uganda um also part of the uh part of the british empire um but but for and and maybe we'll have you back for that kind of broader conversation but you mentioned the ottoman empire you mentioned uh the 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 british mandate uh, mandate with a capital m that was was uh given to the British after the first world war by the league of nations and, uh, and the British and the French basically divided up most of what was, had been the former Ottoman empire because they were also part of the losing side after the first world war. Um, But, but narrowing in on the British mandate and specific, they also took over Iraq, but, uh, but mandating, focusing specifically on what was then the administrative area called Palestine was a much bigger area. Was was an area. I mean, if if people can look, imagine the map of all of of what Israel currently controls, as Israel and and West Bank, Judea and Samaria, what have you, we're talking about only about twenty percent of the whole landmass of what the British controlled as far as Palestine. And then, and and, and your point is very uh, well well taken. That at some point, right after that, they kind of showed their other side and weren't so uh, helpful by giving that eighty percent of the land of the, the land of Palestine to become a Hashemite Arab kingdom under King Abdullah, who they transported from uh, from the Arabian Peninsula and, and created a new kingdom. So, so do you have any sense? I mean, other than the fact that you correctly observed that they really didn't have a love for, for, for the Jewish people. And and certainly there were geopolitical things going on that they, the Arabs controlled the oil and oil was much more important than, than, than it is today. What, what else do you think might have motivated the British to say, well, we're going to take all of Palestine and, and Lord Balfour's uh, declaration that we're going to establish a Jewish national home in Palestine, but then lob off 80% of it and, and create an Arab state?
1: I, again, I don't, I, I'm not an expert in, in, uh, you know, in the British, but I, I, think that there's a, there was clearly, um, a, a lack of, a lack of appreciation of, of what it meant. And I think that Lord Balfour took things into, mostly into his own hands and was able to get this through. There's, there's really nothing else that I, that I'm familiar with, with the British, um, that shows that this was part of a master plan, that this was something, some sort of, uh, you know, a, a consensus. Opinion in, in, uh amongst the uh, the British that the Jews should be able to get back to their land, so it was sort of an anomaly, the Balfour Declaration, um, and it wasn't something that you could look at and say, "Okay, the British did this." I think if you, if we look back and we really look into the and to how it was developed, I think we're going to see uh, that this is a lot more of uh, Lord Balfour's uh, you know actions than the British actions.
0: Do you have a sense? I I know that uh, of course when they issued the the ba- when Lord Balfour issued. The Balfour Declaration. Uh, the opening line is His Majesty's Government, which means on behalf of King George, who was then the sovereign. And 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 as you and probably everyone listening knows, the King or today the Queen is the titular head of the uh, of the Church of England. Um, I don't know how 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 religious a person the uh, King of England was, but I believe that Lord Balfour was. Do you think that being a Christian motivated him at all
1: it's possible but uh, i'm not really i'm not the i'm not the person to ask you know there's certain things that i i don't like uh you know flubbing answers so i, I no, don't no, know if it, i'm right but i i, I would hope so it would be great if it was
0: yeah sorry about the uh the background noise someone's trying to reach me ironically a christian from pakistan is trying to call at the moment um but we'll just sort of let that go um let's let's jump over to the 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 division of Palestine, uh, which I would which has two implications. Uh, went then in the 1920s, and uh, and we'll come to sort of a modern uh, understanding. What was what's your understanding of how that impacted the Jewish perspective on establishing a state when suddenly 80 percent of the land, many of us thought that, and, and and we have to point out that the biblical land of Israel crosses over the Jordan River into what's today Jordan. And and many people thought, oh, we're going to establish a Jewish state in all of it. I, I don't know much about that. Do you are you aware of whether that was a setback or we retrenched? What was the what was the attitude then?
1: I think that a lot of people you know, there's if you go through the Bible and, and create maps of the areas um, throughout the Bible, what God promises the Jewish people. Um, and there are there are Talmudic discussions about this, which I think are a little too complex for 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 us right now. But the, 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 the borders of the land of Israel are not as set as we would imagine them to be. Um, it's not that if you look in your Bible, you'll find set borders, and that's what the Jewish people followed. Uh, but, there, I mean, there are some borders that could be understood to be all the way out into Iraq. Uh, but I don't think that the you know, Jewish people really had their eyes set on, on traveling all the way out to Iraq and creating that uh, yeah, on their own. So I think that a lot of, you know, to use the word settle again, I think a lot of uh, a lot of of our uh, of, of our history has been you know, in this land has been settling
0: settling for what we can get. Um, oh, you know, oh, that's a great that's a great appropriate use of the word. I like that. Right.
1: So that's so that's I would say that it's uh, you know that that we you know we were given fifty five percent of you know of twenty percent of the land to start off with in the partition plan, and we could have easily done what the Palestinians or then what they were called the Arabs. Did which was reject the entire plan as if we don't get everything then we're not going to take anything. Um, But we didn't. We looked at it and said, look, for the first time in 1900 years, we could be autonomous in our own land and determine our own our own destiny. We're going to take that opportunity. And if we don't get everything that we want right now, eventually things will work out in our favor as they are. Uh, So that's what uh, I think. That's that's the main idea. So instead of looking at the various maps and saying maybe you know we should have had more, we could have had more. It was disappointing. I think that. It's more. I look to look at the glass as half full. Here, this right. is really literal, um, and say, okay, so we didn't get everything, but look how much we did get, and uh, and how special. Going back to what you're talking about before, our ancestors out in, in Europe. Um, you know, my family was in Poland for hundreds upon hundreds of years in a foreign land, and a in a in a hard land. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, I always picture, um, be you know, walking into the bunker at Auschwitz where my grandfather was interned, and, and say, and you know, and, and being able to 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 you know, walk up to his bunker as he's freezing cold, um, you know, sharing a blanket with uh, with the inmates next to him and, uh, and being able to whisper in his ear and tell him, excuse me for choking up. But, yeah. um, you know, your great grandchildren will be citizens of a autonomous Jewish nation, you know, and a state in the land of Israel. And what that they, he you never believed it. You know looking at where the Jewish people were a mere eighty years ago. Um, so I don't look at this land and say, "Well, oh, we were robbed of uh, you know, of of so much." I look at it and say, "I'm so grateful for what we have
0: agreed i, I I'm glad you shared that personal note because I think I, I speak also of my relatives and particularly the ones who my son is named for and and imagine them dancing in the graves that they don't even have. Celebrating the fact that this now sixteen-year-old Jewish boy is growing up, and there, and 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 he is their namesake, and he is carrying that on here. One hundred percent. It's quite awesome. Um, you you mentioned at the outset speaking about God's promise to Abraham and his descendants, and immediately I wanted to interject and say, okay, well, we know that Abraham had another son, his oldest son, and Arabs believe that they're descended from Ishmael, and God, I, I don't know the text, perhaps you do, but God says, don't worry, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation of, of, of him also, but Isaac is the chosen son, and, and through whom we inherit um, this land. Overlapping that, and, and we're going to get into the current situation a little bit, where, where if anywhere, is there a, uh, um, in in the Bible, a precedent for Two states? Is there is there a claim that's legitimate biblically? No, I don't. I don't think so at all.
1: I think that uh, I think that that's uh, an absurd notion um, to split the land. Uh, God God distinctly told us not to uh, create a deal with the inhabitants of the land. Uh, he said that there'll always be a thorn in your side, and that's we're definitely seeing that. And I'm not an advocate of of expelling people from the land in this in this uh, century. Um but uh but it, it's clear that a two-state divide the land. Uh, you know, the, what, the way I explain it to my children to my children, to my students, um, <laughs> is that a uh my my you'll hear from the analogy that I'm about to give that my my children themselves, and I don't have to explain this, they know this very well. But uh I explained that when parents have children fighting, so it's very rare, I mean, it's an award-winning parent that sits down with their children and says, Okay, let's hear both your claims. And then mom and dad will decide who's correct. And you know, no parent does that. Parents Excellent. just want quiet and peace and stop uh, stop arguing. You know? um, and if that means, and usually both children end up upset with whatever the parents decide. Um, and I think that's sort of what the international community did to the Jews and the Arabs. They said, listen, just stop fighting. We'll, get, we'll split this land up between the two of you. Um, and it didn't work then. And they're still hooked on this idea that if we just split the land, everything will be okay. But if they would just look into their own homes, and recognize that that never creates a peaceful atmosphere. That just creates more and more resentment, which then turns violent. Uh, so then uh, you know, that they, they would recognize that this idea has to be abandoned. It cannot be
0: uh, something that will work. So so, so I want to, one of the things that's always impressive to me is, is how your communication, whether you're on a TV show debating someone with an opposite view, or certainly in your posts, on social media and how you respond you're responding thoughtfully and you're you're very firm in that position that that there's no set, that there's no settlement in the in, in in splitting up the land but you're also emphatic about respect for our neighbors or for the for the arab neighbors and yet you also use that great analogy of kids always fighting and if you and, and if you kind of give in you're always going to have more, uh, more fighting. So, how do you explain and, and what to your students, to the world, to people listening uh, right now, in a way that's sensitive? And you're you're a you're a settler in the pejorative way that, that some people look at it. As I'm a settler, we're in in land that that sometimes people say we don't have a legitimacy to be in, which is somewhat absurd. And how do you explain that from a sensitive way? of having neighbors and, and telling the world that, no, we're not occupying another country and we're not occupying another people, but we do have a mutual, uh, we, we need to have a mutual respect and coexistence. What's, how do you explain that? I think that it's,
1: you know, the problem is the assumption that, that it needs to be explained. I think if we would close our eyes and not use the words Israel, Palestine, and, uh, and Jews and Arabs, um, and, and simply say we have two people living in the same land. One has control and one does not. Um, so there's a power imbalance. So how should, how should things be corrected? So some people might say, well, the power balance should be you know, evened out. But that's not how life works, right? We don't, we don't have that we can just There's no keys to hand over and say, okay, now everything will be, will be equal. This is a Jewish state. Um, there, are, there are tens of Arab states. That's a, that's a reality of the world. Um, And this is the one Jewish state. So Jews are in control. But with that comes tremendous, tremendous uh, obligations to treat um, those that are here in the proper way. So I think that on the one hand, everybody seems to assume that generosity has to equal equality. That's not true. Um, I'm not suggesting an apartheid type system. But uh, when I say equality, this is a Jewish state. That's what it is. It's a Jewish state and it's going to remain a Jewish state. Um, and that does not mean that we can't recognize other faiths and, and give them full uh, rights to practice their faith. We do that, and we're so proud of that, that this is the only country in the Middle East where all three uh, major faiths, and anybody else, even minor faiths, uh, you know, can come and, and pray and, and relate to their God as they wish. Um, and it's the only place in the Middle East, and we're the only people that have ever done that here. Uh, right. we're, you know, we're, the only, we're the only people that have been in power, and we, I think we've proven ourselves worthy, of governing this area because of how how generous we've been and and uh, and treated everybody fairly and I think that has to be the model for how we how we deal with our with our neighbors. It has to be a a sense of we are going to treat them fairly. We are all created in the image of God um, and therefore we have to relate to people as those who are created in God's image.
0: It's interesting you say that because I don't I, I don't know the word count but the Balfour Declaration itself is very very brief. But Lord Balfour wrote in it, uh, after acknowledging the, 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 that the, the, they intend to establish a national home for the Jewish people, um, and use their best endeavors to facilitate this. He writes, it's, it, it clearly be, it, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non Jewish communities, which is what you, what you just said. And, and I, and it's correct for anyone who doubts that, 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 that the state of Israel does give that,
1: but so, right. it's also in our declaration of independence. Correct. Same, same notion.
0: Correct. And, and for people who want more, more information about that, I should have mentioned this at the outset, you know, another, another good reason to be in touch with us inspiration from Zion at Gmail. If you have questions, we can give you sources and answers to questions. Um, is so, so you're here and we started with the Bible Lord Balfour shook things up and wrote a short letter to, uh, to, to, to the Jewish community saying that we're going to establish a Jewish home uh, in 1917. And, and, and we're celebrating that anniversary this week. We have our home. Lord Balfour said nothing about peace. 30 years later, the United Nations then decided on a partition of what remained of, of Palestine to create an, another Arab and a Jewish state. And you alluded to the fact correctly that the Jewish community accepted it. And, um, and I, and I love how you use the, 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 the other use of the word we settled for that. And, and we built something really beautiful. Unfortunately, we fought for it. Fast forward to today from Balfour. Do you have a concrete resolution as to how we uh, are, are going to actually make peace? Or is this going to be the status quo that we're going to live and aspire to better? I don't predict the future, um, okay. so I don't know
1: what's going to happen. Um, I have enough trouble understanding what is happening. Uh, but I uh, but so I I do not, I can't tell you what's going to happen, and I don't have a solution to how things should be better. Um, I do think that the current situation has to be one of the most absurd dysfunctions ever in, in the history of humanity, which is two people who love the same land are constantly deciding to kill their own children over that land, when it makes much more sense to say, two people love the same land so they should figure out a way to live in it peacefully together uh so that that's that's one of my great frustrations that i mean we just look at the situation here and it's 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 nonsensical uh
0: so that's uh but i do not have any solution going forward is there a better uh biblical metaphor for what you just said than king solomon splitting the baby
1: right yeah that's a very yeah that's that's a great analogy um it's just it it does not uh, there, there are many instances in the bible where you look at it and wonder what the people were thinking at that point um and uh, and this is this is going to be a, a place in jewish history where we look back and say how could this have
0: ever happened wow uh, that 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 you I don't know about others but you got my heart racing on that that was very very profound um and and I look forward to the privilege of looking back on the history a couple of years but but obviously Many decades in the future, which, which we won't be here for uh, but but doing our part um, before we wrap up, um, it's a broad conversation. We, 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 you, you we're talking about thousands of years between biblical history and, and the Balfour Declaration. Is there anything that, that you rabbi uh, that you think that we left out that, um, that you would want your students to know and, and and the people listening as to where how these two intersect and what's the significance of it for us today?
1: I think it's important to note that uh, that it always, you know, a lot of times we scroll, right? Today, we, we don't watch the news. We scroll through the, note, the news. Um, and while, you know, we used to, I grew up in the New York area. There was a radio station that I used to say, if you pay, yeah, if you tune in, in 22 minutes, we'll give you the news. Right. Um, and in 22 minutes, you were supposed to understand everything that was going on in the world. And today, it's it's a mere matter of seconds. 22 minutes right. is a lifetime to listen to the news. Yeah, that's, uh, that seems almost crazy. I can look up the whole news and figure out everything that's going on by reading uh, the top headlines and looking at something. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention specific sites, but something like the Drudge Report. I can just go through uh, you know, lists of headlines and, uh, and, and figure, figure out what's going on. Uh, but I think every once in a while, we have to take a, a deep breath and, uh, and close our eyes and think about what's happening and look at it in a larger perspective of, of world history. And recognize that you know, we're all on a line you know, of, of history and, uh, and where we find ourselves, what spot we're on. We, we, we always imagine that we're at the, the pinnacle and we've we reached the top. But we don't know really what tomorrow has to bring. And there's been so many days in history where we look at, you know, look at and say, how could we not have seen that coming? Um, and we, I had no idea that that was about to happen. Tragic days like, like September 11th. On you know, September 10th, no one had any idea Correct. that the entire world was going to change the next day. Um, and also joyous days, days for us. Uh, May fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight. Yeah, we had an uh, amazing thing. November 29th, forty-seven, when when the world voted to have a state of Israel. No one saw that coming. Yeah, it was an incredibly joyous day. So, so those those types of, of moments, we really have to take a step step back and recognize that there is one being controlling uh, world events, and we're not really in control. And humanity has always tried to to grasp control of its destiny and future. And a lot of times we plan and God laughs. Uh, And, uh, and that's, that's the one message I think is important when discussing world events to recognize that all the, all the different uh, uh, events that happen, everything that happens, there's really
0: something there's, there's someone behind it all. Um, And that's important to recognize. Thank you. You know, I, I, at the outset, you, uh, commented in a, in a way that you were a little bit humbled by my introduction, but I have to say now we wrap up you uh, as generous as my introduction may have been, I have to say, and I hope everyone listening, you over delivered um, and, and, and many, many other topics that I hope we can um, have the privilege of having you back for. Um, but Rabbi Uri Pilachowski, I want to thank you um, it, for joining us in general, but also especially on a, uh, on a weekday when you're teaching your students and finding a little, a little window. To share some of your insight with us i also want to thank um as we wrap up um we have to be uh, especially appreciative for the sponsors that make this podcast possible um first of all our friends at the willow run greenhouse in culpeper virginia and i always like to say if you are in the culpeper virginia area and need something that a greenhouse has go in and get it and if you're and if you don't need anything just go in and give them a hug and tell them thank you for making this possible and also. Special thanks to our friends, the Coin Family, for their meaningful sponsorship. Uh, inspiration from Zion and all of the Genesis One, Two, Three Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So, I please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges between Jews and Christians and create uh, higher levels of understanding, as we've done here today. Um, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor, honor or memory of a loved one, or maybe a special occasion, some of the occasions that Rabbi uh, Polachowski just alluded to, um, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We would love to hear questions and comments as part of the dialogue and invite you to send questions at any time, um, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi segments. Um, please also share this with people who will find this of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. And wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings here from right here in the Judean Mountains. God bless you. Rabbi Bilichowski, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a wonderful show that you have. Thank you so much.